you're back for more. You couldn't stay away from the eternal of hot takes. I'm Mr. Combo number five, one of your stays here at CMD Tower. You can always find me at Twitter at Mr. Combo number five, all spelled out except for the five. And this is Murphus, another one of your mainstays over here at CMD Tower. You can catch me every week or most weeks here. Uh, and you can also catch my content, my articles twice a month over at uh, commandersherald.com and at MurphysalviMTG on Twitter. And this is Brian Koval, a.k.a. Bosch and Roll. I am here just for the hot takes and Council of the Unbanned. You can find me youtube.com slash Bosch and Roll. Well, guys, we're starting off super spicy. How does Legacy vs. EDH deal with Enter the Battlefield effects? Um, this is something that I truly believe transcends formats. Um, it's just free value. And so everyone's doing it. It's just a matter of is maybe our older, wealthier uncle, uh, Legacy, doing it the same way us, uh, you know, bratty, you know, uh, privileged kids are in EDH. So, Bosch, give us that legacy perspective. How does Enter the Battlefield kind of, in, you know, engage with your format, I guess? Legacy uses cards that usually ETB draw a card of some variety or ETB tutor are the okay. sort of things we're looking for. Uh, there's niche decks like Slivers or uh, Elves. I guess Elves isn't really a niche deck, but a, a specialist style deck where something like Reclamation Sage or Harmonic ah. Sliver gets uh, a sideboard slot. Uh, but as far as main deck play, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath is a format divining card. Just uh, <laughs> the old growth spiral, gain three life on the way in yeah. and on the way through. And really the the main place where you find ETB effects in Legacy is the Death and Taxes archetype. That entire archetype is ETB effects. You got Stoneforge Mystic, uh, Solitude, Recruiter of the Guard, Flicker Wisp. That's like the whole deck uh, with a little Thalia and mana disruption <laughs> to protect okay. the ETB triggers. That's how a mono white deck is allowed to flourish in uh, a format as cracked as Legacy. Wow. So I love how, uh, first off, you said that's how mono white's allowed to flourish. And if no one picked up on it, it stacks. It's not anything that's healthy and fun. It's I have to slow down everyone else so that way I can do well. Uh, way to go, Mono White. Um, and I did find it interesting. You know, obviously, constructed 60-card formats, you get to have four ofs. So you're able to, hey, this is a great value card, and I need more of it. Well, I could just have more copies. We don't get that in Commander or EDH. So I actually see a little bit of... The ETBs just kind of naturally happen in Commander. Just every deck, I bet you if it goes through, probably has five to ten things that ETB give it something. Now, whether it's actually pertinent to the Commanders, very interesting. Where I actually see EDH get used a ton is I actually think we take your legacy sideboard mentality, and that's what our main board is. Like the Eternal Witnesses, the Acidic Slimes of the world. A lot of times those almost get slotted as just like good stuff. I just need it in the deck. It's kind oh, of what yeah. I see. You have to. Uh, when you have three opponents instead of one in Legacy, you can play a card like Delver of Secrets that while it has an incredible rate, all it does is attack and block. And mm. if your opponent spends a lightning bolt on that, you're both down a card. If yep. you play a card that just attacks or blocks in Commander, and somebody answers it, 
you and that person are down a card and the other two players or more, however many people are at your table, uh, are enjoying free card advantage, letting you two duke it out. So something like a reclamation sage arrives, gets card advantage immediately, then somebody has to spend a removal spell on your thing. So three people or at least three cards worth of value are exchanged around the table instead of two. And you sort of that's where the ETB triggers leaving a body behind because they're all spells, right? Like there's not a whole lot of unique ETB triggers that I mean, I'm sure if someone wants to litigate me in the comments, (laughs) get after it. But like you can generally be like, yeah, this ETB disenchants, this ETB unsummons, this ETB growth spirals like you can find a card that you could put in your deck, but you don't you play the creature version. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. And I think I think part of this equation um, that I see in legacy, because one of the other, um, at least back in my day, old man yelling at the clouds, uh, Snapcaster Mage, right, is one of the most historically powerful uh, creatures with an ETB effect. And it's it's rebuying, you know, giving flashback to a card in your graveyard, that sort of thing. Um but the the spell plus body mentality, spell plus potential damage, um, spell plus a clock, is really what I see in that death and taxes deck, right? Like flicker wisp can do some things, solitude does things, but it's all big ability plus a way to close the game. Um, how do you see that uh, playing its way out in EDH? Yeah, it's exactly the same. Like there's there's so many just boom like giant etb effects that have been printed into the commander products specifically or at least with commander in mind in the last 10 years or so of design where something like uh i believe it's zathrid demon is that one of the like etb destroy all non-demon sort of like seven drop monsters probably something ridiculous like that yeah there's a number of demon or something uh, like that yeah Yeah. uh, dreadborn cacodemon yeah yeah it comes in taps it's taps all of your creatures but destroys all of your opponents or something like that yeah there's so many of those and you play damnation sure you you play that sort of effect in your deck but like damnation past the turn everyone else gets to rebuild before you damnation on a seven seven body or whatever the demon is that does this uh or uh, like the various Krakens or Leviathans that bounce everything else when they arrive, like reset the board past the turn with my five, five or my seven, seven, whatever size of the body is on this thing. That's just a totally different equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, I think part of this, if we're talking about equations, right? Like there's that piece of the equation where body plus an effect uh, equals playability but then what you're sacrificing with a lot of these ETB creatures is actually flexibility on a turn-to-turn basis, right? So um, thinking of like Stormtide Leviathan or whatever, where it comes in, bounces all the stuff. I think that's the, I think that's no, the one. No, Stormtide's the uh, island one where it gets stuff with flying an island walk and only attack. Yeah, Keterect I, I know Leviathan. which one you're talking Keterect. about. Yeah, yeah. Keterect Leviathan. So I can play Keterect Leviathan or I can play Cyclonic Rift, right? And there's smaller windows when Keterek Leviathan can buy me the kind of time, space, or advantage that something like Psychonic Rift would. Um, so how would we, how do we think about when to slot one over the other? I guess mostly that's power level of your table and what your deck's trying to do. Uh, if I'm playing a deck where I want to Cyclonic Rift in the player before me's end step, then get nutty. Or am I a sort of 
more honest tap out ramp sort of thing. Um, or even just like uh, in the instance of specifically Keterek Leviathan, uh, do I have graveyard uh, myself mill? Cause that thing has unearth or uh, like certain of these effects are on bodies that you can reanimate. Some of them are only if you cast from your hand. Am I a ramp deck? Am I a reanimate deck? Yeah. Like what am I doing? And those are the sort of decisions you have to make. And of course the power level of the table, are we going to get to nine mana guaranteed at this table? Then mm-hmm. play the Leviathan. Uh, I'm, are your friends going to hate you? If you cast cyclonic rift, play Leviathan. There's a lot of calculations that could get you to the right decision. I'll say one calculation for me that kind of between Murphys, that that great mindset of the spell or the spell plus the body, it's usually comes down. And I'm curious if Legacy is the same way because you guys are so tuned from my experience talking with you, Bosch, um, and talking with other people. Um, it's, you know, like even cutting a single CMC out of the total number of CMC in the deck that can help and go a long way. So one thing that I see myself doing is I look at whatever that ETB effect is on the body and I say, is that really worth what the CMC cost is and the power and toughness? It's something that Tuck and I talk a lot about on Bruise and Builds where it's like, hey, you know, yeah, this card's six, but this other card costs four and it does the same effect. So what if I said you could get that effect and then for two mana more, you get a 4-4 body? Would you say yes to that or kicker two? And a lot of people are like, well, yeah, I would. But then it seems like when we actually practically get the card in front of us and we look at it, it's like, gosh, seven mana for draw three on ETB for a 3-4 doesn't seem great. How do you guys kind of look at the CMC to the effect to the power and toughness? And what is there? Is there a healthy balance? that we could kind of coach people like, hey, you want CMC to equal power and toughness. That's usually a good rate. You know, a lot of people use. How do you guys figure that out? So there was, in my early days, I had this sort of like uh, calculation in my head. And by early days, I mean, I was probably 12 years old where I was (laughs) like, the good rate on the creature is the mana cost equals the power and toughness of like four mana for a four, 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 deal. four. Yep. I expect to spend five mana on my four, four. If it has one ability like trample and like, sure. That's sort of like the calculation that was in my head, but cards are better now. And also that was just a really rudimentary understanding of rate on creatures. <laughs> uh, generally it's greater than the sum of its parts. Like if you okay. think of snapcaster mage, I guess snapcaster mage is not really a fair example because it just like staples an ambush viper onto whatever spell you're already playing. But if you think of like unsummon as a one mana effect and grizzly bear as a two mana effect, and for three mana, you get mana war, which is an unsummon attached to a grizzly bear, then you're exactly on rate and you're on calculation there. At cantripping, like drawing a card on arrival is a really interesting ETB effect because that that just like keeps your hand full and it represents so much more uh, like... Elvish Visionary, believe it or not, is a legacy staple in only one deck, but it is this two mana, one, one draw card is just the glue of that deck or one of the pieces of glue. But we don't see a lot of just like random wizards that do that effect in blue decks. Uh, it, there's, it's just really contextual. Like the context of Elvish Visionary, uh, two mana, one, one draw card is not a good rate. Two mana, one, one draw card tap for heritage druid is great rate 
add Wirewood Symbiote that's already in this deck. So now we're drawing two or three cards a turn off the same 1-1 body while making mana with Heritage Druid. Like context really pays off here and you get something equal to much greater than the sum of its parts. Also, one mana draw card is a pretty good deal if you're getting like... Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm not telling you to add peaked or reach through mist to every deck you play. Like that, that's pretty bad. I am. I am telling you that. <laughs> All right, you're alone on that thought. But uh, like, <laughs> uh, on just like your one mana one one, like your Mons Goblin Raiders, uh, paying two to get a card out of that as well. That's a good deal. Like in general, if I could raise the CMC average CMC of my EDH decks and add and draw a card to every card, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. Yeah, Arm. and I, I I think there's also a question of like the quality too, right? So um I think of the this is not a fair comparison. So uh get in the comments if you want to get at me, I suppose. Uh but the like comparing something like Elvish uh visionary, right? Two mana ETB draw card to uh Stoneforge Mystic without the flash and an equipment ability, right? Two mana tutor, like that quality difference, I think is one of the biggest difference that impacts EDH. Like you're, when you're drawing a card off a body, when I'm drawing a card off a body, I want to control the, either the average quality of my deck by building really low mana so that I'm actually multi-spelling each turn, or I want to guarantee a high impact draw with something like a Stoneforge Mystic, if that makes sense. Because I'm having to, I might be card neutral, but I'm playing a low impact creature at a table and being card neutral when you have three opponents still isn't a great equation for you. Um, and again, it's contextual, right? Like uh, an Elvis Visionary in an Elf deck can do a lot more than that. Yeah. But No, that's all super fair. Uh, I just think, you know, the biggest thing is ETBs can, you know, Real, I mean, like I said at the beginning, it transcends the format. It, you're going to see it everywhere. Um, I, I think the the biggest thing I've taken away from this is the contextualization of it. Um, there's really no right number of ETB effects you should have in your deck. It's really just going to depend on what your deck wants. Like I know my Yarok deck, I have almost all ETBs exclusively. And uh, it's because I want to double up on them. All right. Well, guys, I think that's going to wrap up the Legacy versus EDH, specifically around ETB effects. We're going to hear a little bit about our Patreon before we head over to the counter meta discussion. Do you like CMD Tower content? Do you wish you could have more of it? Well, you should head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash CMD Tower. That's where we really lean on the community for help and running our channel, but also giving back to you as well. So for just literally a buck a month, you can join and get tons of soft value, opportunities to be on the show, interact with the collective in our very lively chat. And then for even just five, 15 or 25 bucks, you're going to get swag. You're going to get RK post tokens. Really, it's one of the best values out there patreon.com slash cmd tower all right we're headed over to counter meta and today we're talking green x i hate this elf ball so tired of elf ball um and we kind of came up with a few ways or like few ways to kind of categorize uh how elf ball usually kind of 
dominates our Commander games, and hopefully we'll be able to get some legacy tips on how to deal with it. Um, the first area is the excessive ramp that usually an elf deck brings to the table. Um, you know, some cards that I thought our community, you know, if they aren't aware of them, should be aware of, would be cards like Elvish Guidance. Um, this is a card that we see quite a bit with, with elf decks just because um, two colorless green, whenever an enchanted land is tapped, it adds a green for every elf in play. It's kind of disgusting. Nissa who shakes the world, Planeswalker, all your fours tap for double, gross, Omnath, Locust of Mana, just float all the green mana you want to and save it for a later day. And honestly, either Salvala, I think, are very standard in a green whatever elf ball, whether it's the, the mono green Salvala, where you get to draw a card, uh, when a creature ETBs, if it's the strongest at the table, but the biggest one is it could tap and add any uh, amount of mana to your mana pool equal to the highest power of creature you control or the parlay Sylvala. Um, answers I kind of thought around those cards specifically and kind of how I think people could deal with it would be cards like Land Equilibrium. I know it's kind of mean, but kind of feel like that's how elf ball people could be dealt with, especially because a lot of times they're in the colors. They're getting a lot of lands out. Land equilibrium is a card that if an opponent plays a land and they had more lands than you, they have to return a land. So no one can ever actually get higher than you. Uh, there's a lot of effects like burgeonings that allow you to play extra lands when they play lands. And an interesting one I thought would be wandering archaic. Because there's so many sorceries out there in instance that elf decks will use to also go get stuff out of the deck. Let me copy it for two mana. So that was kind of what I thought around just ramping excessively in elf ball decks. Uh, Bosch and Roll, what are some things and thoughts that you have around the way that these elf ball decks ramp and maybe cards that people shouldn't be on the lookout for or even need some answers for? Yeah, the defining thing about Elf strategies, which, uh, like we just talked about, is a real established archetype in Legacy. Those, the mana comes from creatures, whether directly or indirectly. Whether we're talking about like Llanowar Elves, Heritage Druid, Salvala, those sort of things. Or if we're talking about Elvish Guidance or Gaius Cradle, or things that count the number of creatures you have. Mm -hmm. If you can control the creatures, you can control the mana in a deck like this. And... People should have removal in their decks. Just saying. Uh, I. It's not mean to <laughs> control. <laughs> listen, listen, there there are things like magic is a game of interaction. There are questions, there are answers, and it's about pushing it back and forth, moving the pieces around. It is not mean to destroy your opponent's Salvala because the Salvala player is up to no good. <laughs> Heritage Druid is an indicator that that opponent is up to no good. Nobody's just like, what? I just want to cast <laughs> Crawl Worm with this. No, they don't. Like, it's okay to pick off important creatures. Uh, so no, understanding how the engine works and where to point your removal is one of them. If you have like a Swords to Plowshares or a Lightning Bolt or something clean one for one, knowing where the pressure point is, like take out the Heritage Druid, take out the self Allah, that sort of thing. Uh, take out the Nissa. Um, we were just talking about ETB abilities. ETB, destroy target creature. ETB, deal two to a permanent. ETB, uh, destroy target artifact or enchantment. Clip the enablers and you can stop them from getting out of hand. And usually the earlier you hit it, the better because it snowballs quickly. 
But a card yeah. I really want to draw the attention of everyone to, if you don't know about it, is Curse Totem. This one, ah. yeah, uh, this is a card originally from Mirage. It's all. It was also in sixth edition, and it was just in Modern Horizons too. So you can get this thing for a quarter. It's two mana artifact. Activated abilities of creatures can't be activated. Period. Like it yep. doesn't say unless they're mana abilities. Nothing of the sort. That Land of War Elf is a one one for one. Period. So is Heritage <laughs> Druid. Selvala is a three mana two four or whatever the stats on her actually are. Like shut that locks it down and. If your deck isn't full of activated abilities on your own creatures, you're probably going to get someone at the table with this thing without a lot of damage to yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think the burst when we're talking about ramp, like you know, you you can first of all, you should be running more lightning bolts. You heard it here first. Um, but but Murphy, you, we could only run one per deck. There's a lot of lightning if, bolts. There's a, there's a <laughs> lot of lightning bolts, guys. There's a lot. Um, you can run your murders. You can run doom blades, uh, but you don't want to. You don't want to hit a land war elf. Like you don't want to do an even exchange on mana against an elf deck because they're always going to win the mana game. Like you want to bolt their elvish arc druid, right? You want to bolt their heritage druid. You want to be uh, virtually up in the exchange mm. and hitting those big burst enablers. I. I I was thinking of, you know, the new kid on the block, Circle of Dreams Druid. Uh, Gaia's Cradle Baby is, uh, does a lot of work in some of these more mid-rangey and then combo-oriented uh, green X elf ball decks. Um, if, if you're waiting until the end game to interact with the elf player, you've lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to be really mean, you can bolt their turn one land of war elf. That might actually just take them off a playable hand. So it depends on how on how you want to be, because you don't have to run that many lands in the average elf elf ball deck, right? Because the curve is so low and they have so many um, ramp creatures at the one and two. Yeah, Squee McGee uh, um, you know, used to be a part of our channel. He had a, a recently redeemed deck. It's infinite, infamous. Everyone's heard of it. But I actually think he only ran... 27 lands in it 28 and i even think like the last time that he had that deck he was considering getting it down to like 24 or 25 because he was just like i get mana flooded and it's like oh my gosh you only have 25 lands in your deck how are you mana flooded it's just elf ball that's what it does um the next area is going to be tons of tokens so traditionally uh elf decks they are able to produce a lot of these one, one fuckers uh, in the elf warrior varietal, just the plain elf varietal. Um, and a lot of times you get swarmed and it's like your doubling season type of effects. We don't need to go into a ton of details there. Your anointed processions of the world, uh, parallel lives, stuff like that. The ones that I actually thought were cute that people should be made aware of is like March of the multitudes. This is a card that I and starting to see has a lot of play in elf decks. X green, white, white instant. It has create X one, one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. But the thing that makes it unique guys is with it being an instant and having convoke. So now all these tokens, Hey, you're in step. You've heard of the cyclonic rift rigmarole. Well, have you seen March of the multitudes? Let me tap down 15 creatures, make 15 warriors as long as or soldiers, as long as I had the other three mana, that's a ridiculous card. And then uh, a very mainstayed one would be Second Harvest. That card's 
disgusting instant speed. I think it's three and a green. You make a copy of every token on your battlefield. End card. No downside. No sacrifice them at end of turn. Nothing. Um, some things that I thought would be cute to kind of battle some of these tokens. I think Suture Priest is a card that needs to get played a lot more. Suture Priest, colorless white. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life. But guys, whenever your opponents have creatures enter the battlefield, they actually lose a life. Um, it's so and good. It's a, and it's a May effect. So if you want to play crazy political game guy, it's like, hey, you did have 10 ETB. How about you just lose five? I'm, I'm not a mean guy. How about you lose five life? I'll let you keep the other five. Um, so I thought that's a card that a lot of people need to have out. And another one, don't, don't judge me, guys. You know, I like gross, disgusting cards that are really mean and no one wants to play with you. So Magus of the Tabernacle should clearly come to the table here. Three colorless white guys. It basically gives you Tabernacle. Uh, it is a 2-6, which is pretty cool. But all creatures have, at the beginning of your upkeep, sack the creature unless you pay a colorless. That seems like a great way to deal with an elf ball deck, whether they have tokens or not, just trying to get rid of them. Yeah, you might have 100 mana, but you're going to have to spend 90 of it to keep your board state alive. Right, and since their mana's on creatures, they're going to have to tap down those creatures to save them. And so many of those tokens just aren't worth keeping, right? I was yep. The card I found as I was doing research for this episode uh, that is underplayed, I think is Pendril mists, right? Uh, Cause uh, raise your hand. If you have money for a tabernacle, Nope. Nope. Okay, cool. Uh, but Pendril miss is three in a blue and it does tabernacle and it's on an enchantment, which is a categorically harder permanent type oh. to take care of. And it's in a budget ish range. Um, but I, I totally get you here. And I think we, we need to not be afraid Fam, we need to not be afraid of playing Pyroclasm. Like, I, I, this is a, you know, we're not a CEDH cast or community or anything like that. But I think something we can take from the CEDH community and and from Legacy too is that efficiency matters, and two damage is a lot of damage, um, especially mm -hmm. in a token stack. Now, if they start pumping them with things like uh, Imperius Perfect or whatever, like that changes things, changes the math, but not by a lot. Um, so those broad damage base sweepers are kind of what I was thinking about. Well, and to add to your damage base sweepers, Echoing Decay is a great card with that as well. So Colorless good. black, instant target creature and all other creatures with the same name as that creature get neg two, neg two until end of turn. You know, you're about to get your anthem effect. Let me get those one ones and two twos out of here. And the thing I really like about damage base removal is you can build your deck to keep that in mind. Like if you are gruel and your creatures are big. If you're Grixis and you just don't have a lot of creatures, or is it without a lot of creatures, you don't care about a pyroclasm. Your creatures laugh it off, or you just laugh about having <laughs> creatures at all. Uh, another card I'm really into is Aether Flash. This is a red, red two enchantment. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, deal two damage to it. It's just like a permanent standing pyroclasm. That's, that's so mean. Yeah. And this, it's four mana. So. People get a chance to build out under it. It's not going to address anything that's already in play. And at once the table has four mana, that's where big creatures start coming out, right? Where if you're playing honest, you're going to have three threes and four fours that just shrug off the Aether Flash. If your deck is determined to just, if on 
one mana you make a one one, and on two mana you make two one ones, and on three mana you make three one ones. <laughs> you're up to something. If Aether Flash bricks your deck, you're up to no good. Put an end to that. And that that's the same reason I like Plague Engineer. Uh, that card. Oh yeah. Uh, oh. Like Plague Engineer. This is a legacy lesson, by the way. Plague Engineer uh, is a legacy staple, and it comes up in a shocking number of ways where it just like a two, two death touch is just a reasonable body on its own. You can trade mm-hmm. that for a Tarmogoy for whatever. And it'll mop up like Thalia or like some stacks pieces. There's a lot of X one creatures laying around that are stacks pieces. There's a lot of, uh, it'll clear up token armies, Saperlings, elves, whatever. Uh, if you can bounce it, replay it, flicker it, whatever, uh, you can change things around. Like there's a lot of ways to build your deck around a card like Plague Engineer, or at least a way to use it. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if this is legal or how it should work, but I did for a little bit run Plague Engineer in my Yarok deck for the double ETB, but I would just see, okay, I'm only gonna get one of them. I'm gonna I get to resolve one. It's a state-based action, so the negative one's gonna apply. <laughs> you know, oh, I see elves and thopters out there. Let me pick thopters, wipe out all the thopters, and then we'll static on elves for the final resolution, and then it's gone. Don't know if that's exactly legal. Uh, I think yeah, that's it is. not how that works. Well, uh, how does it work then with state based? Because okay. you would choose a creature type, it's resolved, it's now on thopters. The negative, negative one would have to apply to them all, and they would instantly die. Uh, you're right about that part. The part that um, that you are uh, miss misinterpreting a little bit is Yarok doubles triggered abilities. Uh, As this enters the battlefield, choose X is not a triggered ability. It's a replacement Mm. effect that modifies how this thing arrives on the battlefield. So like, it looks like everyone in our play group sucks because I've been doing that for freaking years. uh, Yeah. Including I suck. Yeah. I mean, if it was like when this, so uh, triggered abilities, have when, the words if, if or when yeah. or whenever uh if when whenever yep yeah a, something that says as it enters uh does not if it said when it enters but uh plague engineer is as it enters the battlefield make a choice so that doesn't work like you don't get to briefly pick one color then switch to another color off uh painter servant uh you don't get to briefly name one card then pick another one off phyrexian revoker like, that's just a totally different class of abilities. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, the only other thing that I thought would be worth mentioning around the token piece before we move to the, the last category around this is um, Detention Sphere, as I think is another great card, um, and Echoing Truth. Uh, but granted, those are just good for token decks in general. But the elf ones, I'll say, guys, if you have an elf player in your playgroup, the, the challenge I've personally had with Truth and Sphere and Decay, to be honest, any of the ones where it's like th- with all the same name and Commander and EDH, we don't get that a lot because it's a singleton game. Um, so I've always been leery of could this be a dead card in hand because someone doesn't have 10 elves for me to Detention Sphere or Echoing Truth. But I do think if you have that elf ball player in your group, it's probably safe to have it in the 99 because let's be honest, we don't even see all the cards that we put in our decks when we play them. So uh, at least it'll be there. Yep. And I, I'll get one more for the road here. This is Washout. You're going to find a spot oh, yeah. to cast Washout. <laughs> this is a three and a blue sorcery. Return all permanents of the color of your choice to their owner's hand. 
you'll find something to bounce with this, even if it's not completely nuking an elves player. Uh, you'll find a spot. Well, the last area that we're going to get to is the pump, pump, pump it up, because that's usually what happens when you have the token army come at you through hook or by crook. Uh, Crater hoof is one that we see a lot with elf decks. Uh, some others, Cathar's Crusade is one that you see with a lot of token decks and elf, de- elf decks. Um, one I thought would be cool to kind of talk about uh, would be uh, Echoing Courage is another one that I thought would probably get to see some play. Colorless green, target creature, and all other creatures with the same name get plus two, plus two till end of turn. Instant speed. Um, and that stuff can kind of sneak up on you because... I can't tell you how many times it's like, oh, I'm getting hit with 10 one ones. That sucks. But let me hold back my blockers because I got something else I need to do. And then they pump up or triple their power and I die. Um, so I thought the best way to deal with this, you know, yeah, there's propaganda effects. But, you know, a little ensnaring bridge never did anyone wrong. Uh, ensnaring bridge, guys, if you're not familiar, is an artifact Three colorless uh, creatures with power greater than the number of cards in your hand can't attack. And if you're like me, you rarely ever have cards in your hand because you don't play draw card spells. So, uh, you know, yeah, the one ones or the two twos, they can get through. But a lot of times it's like, hey, I'm going to smack you with 10, 10, 10 elves with trample and all this other stuff. Um, and Ensnaring Bridge literally protects you to where they're kind of SOL. So that was one that I thought was pretty cool. Um Bosch and roll, what's one way you think people could battle the big power token army of elves coming at them? Well, my first response to that is listen to the last two things we talked about. Construct the mana so they don't have the token army. If they get the token army, play answers to the token army. But, but now, it's too late. Yes. <laughs> if you have if you have failed in these endeavors, uh there, there's a bunch of cards that punish all attacking creatures like Aetherize, three oh, and a so blue good. instant bounce all attacking creatures. That's return them to their owner's hand for those uh, who don't know the parlance. Uh, there is, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but I believe there is an angel that does the same thing. Like some flash angel. It might have convoke uh, brain farting at the moment, but it, that thing ETBs exiles, all attacking creatures. Uh, there's a lot of things that, have that sort of effect on them. There's also lots of things that are like, whenever a creature attacks you deal one to it. And so they need to pump it. And you know, if the trick's coming before you decide on their blocks, because you know how big they are before they're coming in or else they're just dead. Uh, There's a number of effects like that. Um, The way I find them is I use scryfall and go to the advanced search. And on the card text, uh, I do something like whenever a creature attacks hit search and then just see what exists for triggered abilities when a creature attacks. And there's lots of cool options across all the colors out there. Yeah, Boshkarol, one that goes very well with that is Revenge of the Ravens. Re- or Revenge of Ravens. That's three colorless black. Whenever a creature attacks you, uh, that creature's controller loses a life and you gain a life. Yeah, so, I believe Hissing yes. Miasma is a similar card. Yep. Oh. Yeah, and, and with this too... Uh, well, just thinking about this responding to attackers, right? Because like when when they finale of devastation for the hoof and everything gets plus 20, plus 20 or plus 60, plus 60 or whatever, and the table's about to die, 
two things are generally true. One, the elf player has blown their load. Like they're, they're yes. done. Uh, and two, they're anticipating that the table's done too. So the two cards that I always love, never leave them at home, folks. Rakdos Charm, which uh, one of the modes is deal one damage to target player for each creature they control. That can sometimes just snap, snap, kill somebody. Uh, but the second one is Constant Mists. I have that up on Scryfall right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you beat man. me to it. Con- Constant Mists is two mana for a fog effect, but it has buyback, sacrifice a land. And my friends... I have won many games on the back of constant mists. And if you constant, if you fog, even just fog a, an elf player, when they go for the kill with finale and, and crater hoof or end razor behemoth, whatever their game's done. Like they're, they're dead on the next turn. Cause everybody's seen their game. Like that's, it's basically destroy target elf player. They can't be regenerated <laughs> is, is the actual text of those cards. Love it. And well, there is and- darkness and dawn charm across multiple colors. Like mm. many colors have fogs. Yeah. Dawn charm is something that you should be playing way more of. If you haven't, that card is one hell of a drug. It, it feels incredible. And how about a well, little lot of command? Just tap them. Well, I know a lot of people are sometimes down on constant myths because of the sacrifice effect of the land. I think people just need to understand this. It's either you go down a land or you go down all of the cards on the table because you have to scoop up. So you're not using constant miss to prevent five damage or prevent them from getting three treasures. That's not why you're using it. You're using it for literally, I'm about to have to shuffle up my hundred cards and wait while everyone else finishes the game. So going down the one land for the buyback is seriously not a big deal. And to be honest, if that one player just keeps coming at you and you have to constant miss over and over to buy back, maybe look at the mirror and realize you're the one that's actually about to win the game and you're clearly the threat. Or the other two players is going to recognize that and they're going to see that elf player open and just go ahead and go for the jugular because they see that you're doing nothing but going down lands and saving yourself. So constant miss, I definitely think that's a sleeper and should be played more. And constant miss is a great rattlesnake. And I don't know if this terminology is still used among the kids. Like rattlesnake is uh, a signal that you don't want to attack me. Like you're shaking your rattle. Just keep your distance. If somebody attacks you, gets constant miss, you buy it back once. They know that card's in your hand. Do they want to spend another combat phase messing around with you? Or do they want to take their business elsewhere? And if they and if they do keep com- coming at you, like Mr. Combo just said, recognize that you're the threat if it's worth it. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up our kind of counter meta around green X elf ball. Let's hear a little bit about the CMD Tower store and head to our last segment. The one you've been waiting for the council. Hey there, collective. Do you need a new play mat? Do you need some sleeves? Have you been forgetting your upkeep triggers well be sure to head over to cmdtower.com slash merch and be able to pick up all the great swag made for you guys it could be the mr comma number five reminder token it could be the squee mcgee get up and fight coin or heck even our foil playmat or jund holiday sweaters all of it's there go check it out it is time it is the council of the unbanned yes i have returned from my 12-week hiatus. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but that's what we're going with. 
I, Mr. Comma number five, bring forth the Judge Boshin role to ask to unban a very fair card that's even seen a printing in Strixhaven. I mean, I'm just saying. I think Channel deserves a chance to see the light of day. And if you are not familiar with Channel, the most fair and balanced card of all of Magic, outside of Alter of the Brood, uh, it is as reads. Green, green, sorcery. Hey, that's fair. Sorcery speed. I can't do it on your turns. Uh, it's a mythic. And it states, until end of turn, anytime you could activate a mana ability, you may pay one life. If you do, add a colorless. It is banned in every format, not legal in every format, except for vintage where it's restricted. So uh, the cards, cards seen better days. It's seen more decks than it has in past. But I'm here to give you facts, not feelings. Uh, fact one, it adds, and I'm going to go there, diamond mana. Not even colorless, it's diamond the hell is that? Get out of here, wizards. Uh, but I'm always someone that's like, hey, I do Grim, Grim Monolith power artifact combos. I get infinite mana all the time. Do I win on the spot? Hardly ever. Infinite colorless mana doesn't actually do a lot. But hey, guys, you don't even get infinite here. You only got until your life total. So, uh, yeah, if you want to on turn two, channel, pay 10 life and have a Kazi, I guess... There's nothing to say someone doesn't have a one-mana path to exile or swords to plowshares. That's within the CMC as well. So that's one thing. You know, we talked about the sorcery speed. That's a big deal. You can only pay what you have. That's a big deal. And we have cards that are kind of loosely similar, but not the same. So I'm not saying they're the same. They operate differently. But once again, it's the whole paying life to get the value. Treasonous Ogre. Pay three life, get a red mana to your mana pool. I've tried to abuse that. I usually get to about two life and then I can't do it anymore. And yeah, I got some value, but it's not like I just blew away the game and it was unfair. It's a very fair and balanced card. I could be shocked to death. Bolus of Citadel is another good one. That CMC, pay that in life and you get to cast it just off the top of your library. Just straight gas left and right. Um, I talked about Grim Monolith Power Artifact. That's producing your infinite um, I just think channel not producing colors being sorcery speed and it's, it's in green green already has all the ramp stuff out there. I just don't see it being on the ban list. Murphus, I'm sure you have objections, things you would like to inquire about in my, uh, possibly insane state of mind. What do you got? Hmm. There's many questions I have. One is how many times are you running Grim Monolith Power Artifact? That is that is some crazy dollary dues. Um, but uh, outside of that, Channel Yes saw a reprint in Strixhaven. It's a cool art. It's mis that's misleading. It's a it's a it's a reprint in Mystical Archives, which was a like. <laughs> Cards from all all over the place. Demonic Tutor saw a reprint too. Um, so, uh, if, if I may approach the bench as a counselor <laughs> here, I would say number one: the only place this card gets played is in cube, and the only thing it does in cube is as a Judge Bosch and Roll, as you have said. 
things that are up to no good. Um, sure. It heads up in, in limited people probably won't have the path when you're, you know, turn one Ulamog, destroy a land or whatever. But I can imagine, I can imagine a world with a sufficiently large amount of life early in the game and something like, I don't know, a Thrasios that, uh, I, if you can't win the game at two life, you can't win the game. That's, that's part of what I would say. Uh, uh, two, uh, second, second thing, wizards has learned their lesson. All of these cards that you stated aren't two mana and they aren't in green. Uh, so treasonous ogre, um, the rate is a three to one on, on, uh, channel. And then you have, uh, Bolas of Citadel, which is one to one, but it also costs six mana unless you cheat it out somehow. And we don't even have like kind of the tinker lines and all that stuff because of the ban list. So I think that those, if we submit that Wizards is actually like they know what they're doing designing cards, which if for some number of years I, I questioned in the in the wake of fire design philosophy, uh, but I, I think they know what they're doing. They haven't they haven't done that again. And I think that that's pretty telling. And ultimately, if you're casting channel in a deck, you are up to no good and you will win the game with it on that turn. I don't know how. I don't know why. <laughs> but you're not playing channel to play a long, fair game. You know what I mean? So th- that's that's the evidence I submit to uh, I submit to the bench. Yeah, my argument here, uh, I co-sign everything Murphis said, like. This card is clearly <laughs> I, I, I was never going to be on the side of unbanning this one. Uh, this card is clearly up to no good. <laughs> and so far, we've talked about like green, green Ulamog or green, green Kozilek or green, green Karn liberated. Like these you sort still of have things. to pay 10 life. It's a lot. Of you life. get 40. Who cares? <laughs> you, you, you can <laughs> he, win the game. He at gets one. it, guys. He gets it. Your life total is a resource. You, you, use. Right. And. And we've only even talked about like what this looks like in green decks casting colorless spells. Sure. What if we are Golgari and we're storming? What if we are Jund and we're ad nauseuming? Like just the nonsense that this unlocks. Like, what are you going to do with all that colorless mana? Was one of the points made by our uh, insane prosecutor, and the defense argues. That mana doesn't all have to be colorless. Everything that comes out of the channel is colorless, at least to start. There's lots of cards that are like, pay two colorless, get a color. Uh, what about like something like um, Peely Pala? Or I think like there's a number of elves that do this where you could filter colorless into color. And all of that requires a little bit of work, but it's there. And channel reminds me very much of another card we haven't talked about yet which is one Dockside Extortionist. Two mana, Mm. get mana. Let's talk about two mana, get mana as a plan. Dockside Extortionist, people are playing Goblin Matron in decks where there's only one Goblin to get because it's just worth it to have two Docksides. Channel, you could get it with Spellseeker. You can transmute for this thing with uh, Muddle the Mixture or Shred Memory. Like This is the type of card people will play bad cards in their deck just to go get. And that's a sign that something is sick and should not be really around. And if that puts Dockside in the crosshairs too, it probably should be. It it should yeah. be. Uh, the, well, the, we talked the about that in our Discord we, today. 
Yeah, we talked about that on our Discord today, and someone actually made the better, the best point I've heard about Dockside. Channel arguing against myself is solitaire. You just worry about your world and that's it. Dockside literally doesn't work if your opponents don't have artifacts and enchantments. And outside of the competitive worlds where it's a lot of zero and one drop because you're trying to get there super quick, the normal commander games, I run. I only have one Dockside um, and I have played it and only got the big nut of mana, maybe two out of 20 castings. Most of the time I'm getting four or five. It's not... 15 or 20. So just a little defense for Dockside here so it doesn't get the axe. Right. Like in the low power world, when it's triggering off of like yep. privileged positions instead of Mox Diamonds, it's a very yes. different card. But Channel asks for no such qualifications. It simply asks that you have some of your 40 starting life points left. Holy guacamole, that's so much life. And what if we pair it with life gain? What if we're in some sort of like Selesnia base situation where you cast this thing at 70? I don't know your business. This it's could happen. It's still colorless. Oh, oh it doesn't matter. Counselor Let- colorless does so much damage and you know it too. I see the smirk on your face, right. Counselor. Channel was banned in EDH before we had Eldrazi cards. And since then, we have had multiple sets that include Eldrazi cards. We've introduced Karn as a Planeswalker who has multiple printings. There's just sure. so many colorless things to be doing right now that it's preposterous to... Like, I want to compare this to Animar's Soul of Elements, who, at least in my circles, is kind of an eye-roll commander of it's like, okay, uh, how fast can this jerk get up to Kozlek? Like, that, that's <laughs> sort of the, the equation that the whole table's running. And if any green deck just gets to threaten Animar from zero anytime they have two mana, I don't I don't think that's healthy for the world. Well, um, believe it or not, guys, I believe my quote unquote opposition uh, or just pulling your chains and they're going to vote to unban this thing. Let's go. I'm voting to unban channel for the fact of it's not a poo poo card. How about you? Boshin roll. I'm about to change this channel. Keep it banned. Murphus. <sighs> I have to agree. Ban channel. Ban it. Burn it. Don't let it see the light of day. If we can point to one card on the ban list and say that this was a mistake to print, it might be channel. I legitimately thought you were about to say, let's unban it just so we can ban it again. A part of me in my heart wants to. The bitterness deep within me wants to unban it so that people buy a bunch of copies and then ban it again. Does that make me a terrible God, person? So wow, stonks. Reverse stonks. <laughs> reverse stonks. It's actually, it's actually a good reverse stonks because what we didn't know is Murphus has just piles of channel cards just sitting in his uh, closet. Yeah, I can actually see some game. of them behind him on camera. They're like flowing out of every space and crevice. Whoa! He's actually well, buried guys, up to his neck in channels right now. Thanks for getting sweaty with us. And remember, if you're looking for more fire content, check out the rest of what CMD Tower puts out. And remember, I'm Mr. Common number five. And I'm Murphus. And I'm Boss and Roll. And remember, cold takes are temporary, but those hot takes, they last for eternity. Mm-hmm.